unto you, you blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. You fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Fools and blind. Or which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereupon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you paid tithe of mint and anison and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done, and not to leave others undone, you blind guides, which strain it a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. You blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our study continues in Matthew chapter 23, verse 16, where Dr. Mitchell shares Jesus' stern rebukes and indictments on the religious leaders of Israel. Matthew records these words for us to read and hear. This lesson focuses on the next four of these eight indictments in verses 16 through 28. These four are, first of all, the swearing of an oath and the lack of distinguishing between the greater and the lesser. And secondly, tithing, majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors. And number three, cleansing outwardly to cover up the sins inwardly. And fourth, stressing the outward appearance but losing sight of the inward sins. This lesson causes one to discover what the real focus is in life, both what is known and what is unknown. Well, we appreciate you joining us here on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast with Dr. John G. Mitchell. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 23, verses 16 through 28. Thank you. Good day, friends. We again come to you with our studies in the book of Matthew. We rejoice again in the, in the blessing that these simple studies on Matthew has been to so many hearts. I just pray that the Lord himself may make very precious to you, even in these very warnings, something of the righteous character of God which demands 
judgment upon those whose hearts have no place for the Savior. We're dealing with the, with the eight woes that God the Lord pronounced on the religious leaders of his day, upon the scribes, they were the ones who wrote the word of God, and the Pharisees, they were the conservative theologians of the day. Made a great deal of profession, but they were empty. And our Lord, over and over again, repeats the word, you're, a, you're hypocrites, hypocrites. And may I remind you that at the beginning of our Lord's ministry, we have the blesseds, Matthew 5. When you come to the end of his ministry, just before he went to the cross, you have these eight woes upon his enemies. And I say again, even though these, these judgments are terrible, the underlying it, I believe, is a, in the heart of God, in the heart of our Savior, it is a sadness. Uh, he has revealed himself to them in all his beauty, in his power, in his authority. He has presented his credentials, fulfilling the prophetic word that he's the Messiah. He had taught them. He had healed them. He had went about doing good, as Peter says, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He fulfilled the scripture concerning his coming as the Messiah, coming in humility. They spurn him. They don't want him. So when you come to these curses of our Lord upon them. Remember, even though our Lord pronounces severe judgment upon them and shows them what they are, nevertheless, there's in his heart, I think, uh, now you may disagree with me on this, even though his, his censure of them and his judgment is terrific, I believe there's a, a something in his heart how he would have loved to have taken these men and transformed them into flaming evangels of gospel. How he would love to have transformed them to real worshipers. For you remember, God is seeking worshipers. Instead of that, they were leading people astray. Which we had in the first three woes in our last lesson. In verse 13, Want unto you scribes and Pharisees, because you don't go into the kingdom of God yourself and you stop everybody else you can from going in. And the second one, he pronounced judgment because they robbed the widows and outwardly made long prayers, covering up the very thing they were doing. They're hypocrite. And the third one, uh, they manifested sacrifice and effort and work. What for? To change people to their ideas, to their uh, view of things. To, to make a proselyte. That is to turn one from what religion he had to their religion. But he was, he's no better off because he was more twofold the child of hell than he was before. That is, he still didn't have peace. He was in a worse condition than he was before he became a proselyte. Now we come to the fourth one, and this runs down from verse 16 down to verse 22. Allow me to read it from Matthew chapter 23. Woe unto you, you blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. You fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Fools and blind, 
or which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God and by him that sitteth thereupon. Now it's very obvious as you read these verses because uh, really they speak for themselves. Uh, The ridiculous thing for one to swear by the temple and say it's nothing, but to swear by the gold of the temple, he's a debtor. In other words, they were rationalizing their sinfulness, their acts, their attitude, their motives. Our Lord's going right down the line with them. And then notice the words, you fools and blind. Jesus said this. Jesus said this. For which is the greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? Of course, the temple is greater. Then it comes to the altar. And they said, whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever swears by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Our Lord's answer was, you're still fools and still blind. Which is the greater, the gift or the altar that sanctify the gift? Of course the altar is. For whosoever shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and all things thereon. And then in verses 21, 22, And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth upon their throne. In other words, the Jews people were very quick to swear by by the temple, but they wouldn't swear by God. This would be blasphemy. So, instead of swearing by God, they swear by the temple. Our Lord Jesus said, what's the difference? When you swear by the temple, you're swearing by the one who dwelleth therein. God, did he not say in the preceding chapters, you have taken my father's house and you have made it a den of thieves. You have made it a house of merchandise. He still called it my father's house. Even though the temple was free from the glory of God, nevertheless, our Lord acknowledged it as his father's house. And when they swore by the temple, our Lord says you're swearing by the one who lives in the temple, by God. And if you swear by heaven, which the Jews did, they wouldn't swear by God who lived in the heavens, but they would swear by the heavens. And Jesus said, when you swear by the heavens, you're swearing by the one who is on the throne in heaven. You know, sometimes Christians, they wouldn't blaspheme. But you know, sometimes they use some words that are awfully close to it. And so their conscience is clear because they didn't swear by the Lord or by something else. They... um, they didn't like to use those words. But the motive behind it was the same. The action behind it was the same. I just suggest for us Christians, and I include myself, be careful what language we use. Sometimes when we're upset and things bother us, we say things that you know you shouldn't say. Of course you wouldn't swear, but you come awfully close to it, so you use some other word. Am I not telling you the truth? Indeed I am, I know. I know I've been guilty of that in past days. But the moment I think about the things of God and the things that pertain to God, remember, 
You're swearing not only by the things, but by the one who made them. You see, you swear by heaven. Remember, you're swearing by the one who's upon the throne in heaven, even God. Now we come to the fifth one. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Notice he always starts with this. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anison and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done and not to leave others undone. You blind guides which strain it a knot and swallow a camel. Now, it's very obvious. Uh, they, would, they would take, they would, they would tithe right down to the last leaf on mint or cumin or whatever things they were growing. They, take, they, they would tithe to the last penny. Can I use that word? But the great things of God, the weightier things in one's life, such as judgment and mercy and faith, uh, they leave them out of their lives. Do you know, I have met professing Christians who would do the same thing. They pat themselves on the back because in their legalistic attitude, they go right down to the last leaf, to the last penny. But what are they in their lives? They lack mercy. They lack love. They lack consideration. They lack tenderness. They lack compassion the very thing that the heart is hungry for, someone to understand them, someone who will have tenderness and compassion, one who will not belay them with criticism, but will love them and pray for them. This is far more important, my friend, than giving your last cent. Now, I'm not opposed to giving. Don't misunderstand me. But these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they wanted you to know, and they made it known that they went right down to the last penny in their tithing. Oh, they wouldn't give a leaf more. They wouldn't give a penny more. But they did go down to the last penny. More than most, more than most Christians do. But, but their lives were empty of the real things that mattered. Righteousness, peace, faith, mercy, tenderness, love, compassion understanding, and so on. And I might say in passing, my, there are thousands of people who just need that tender touch from some Christian. Now, I want you today, sometime today, go out of your way if necessary to help some poor soul. Encourage them in the things. There, maybe some of your friends, some of your neighbors are sick, they're afflicted, they're discouraged, they're downhearted. Why don't you give them a little cheerful word? Help them a little bit. Manifest a little mercy and love and tenderness and compassion. Try to understand them. It's easy to judge people. It's easy to damn them. Let us, let us help them. Don't let's be like these Pharisees. Uh, made a great show of their giving. But they were empty in their hearts toward God. And being empty in their hearts toward God, they were empty in their hearts toward men. And again, may I say what I said the other day, what I am toward God in my heart is manifested in my life toward society, toward those around me, to my neighbors and friends. Take the next one, verse 25. Woe unto you, scribes and 
Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. You blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. In other words, uh, they clean up the outside of their lives so people can look at them. They want to be seen of men, as we heard in the beginning of the chapter. You remember, they, they wanted to be seen of men. Verse 5, all their works they do to be seen of men. They wanted to be recognized as leaders, as guides, as religious leaders. They wanted to be recognized in their position, but their hearts absolutely empty of reality of the things of God. They made the outside clean, but inwardly they were bad. May I remind you from Mark chapter 7, I think it is, where Jesus said, For within come what? And he gives you 13 of the terrible sins of life. For within out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, uncleanness. And he goes on and gives you 13 of them. Out of the heart of man. God, God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. So these Pharisees spent all their time on the outward appearance, but not a thing about their hearts. And so our Lord says, uh, you, clean the, you clean the outside, but you don't clean up the inside. I think that's in Paul's mind when he says in, in Romans 12 too, and be not conformed to this world, but be transfigured, if I can use that term, transformed, by the renewing of your mind. And when, our, when we're transformed in the inner man, the outward man will be all right. Reformation is what man does. Transformation, regeneration is what God does. Man tries to make the life what it isn't. God gives us a new life. And in the power of the Spirit of God who indwells us, then we live a supernatural life. Why? Because God takes us and lives through us. Not with these Pharisees. They were deceiving people. They were not deceiving God. May I remind you about this? In all these, we, all these woes we have been reading, these Pharisees are deceiving people, but they never deceived God. And the result is judgment. Look at verse 27 and 28. What are you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are like whited sepulchres, whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Now, you notice all these illustrations he's using. He's just, he's just really bearing down on these Pharisees and scribes, hypocrites, calls them fools, calls them blind. Outwardly, they're like whited sepulchers. He goes to the graveyard and he takes the stones that are set up and they're made beautiful. But inside, bones, bones, uncleanness dust. And we said, you're just like that, 
outwardly you appear righteous unto men. My butter wouldn't melt in your mouth, no, sir. But within, and only God could see this, within they were full of hypocrisy and iniquity. You know, we have the same group with us today. Wherever you turn, wherever you turn in this world, even in this blessed country of ours, with all our churches and testimony of being religious and of having the word of God, oh, oh, how many there are. Outwardly, outwardly, they look so wonderful. And God looks down into their hearts and he sees what? Full of dead men's bones, uncleanness. Oh, how we need the blood of Christ to cleanse us from all sin. How glad I am for Hebrews chapter 10, that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses the conscience from sin. Not only forgives the man, but he cleanses the man. And if I'm talking to you today, my friend, and you need the reality of life in Christ, you need to be forgiven and cleansed of every sin. Not only that you ever did, but whatever you thought in your very heart, your very motives. I want to tell you that when you come to Jesus Christ, God's Son, and accept him as your own personal Savior, and you mean business, you accept him, a relationship established with the Son of God, you're forgiven, and you're cleansed, and you have new life, and now you can live to the praise and to the glory of God. I say as we read these woes, Maybe learn a lesson. God deliver us from being empty in our spiritual lives, but make us to be real before God. And I repeat it, when we are real before God, then we are real before men. And may the Lord today make this very precious to you. It may be a day of examining ourselves in the presence of God. And remember, if you see defilement there and failure there, our Lord is ever ready to forgive and to cleanse. In fact, he says to you, come unto me, I'll give you rest. Come to me, I'll cleanse you. Come to me, I'll forgive you. Come to me, I'll give you life. But you've got to come to him. And he's waiting. He has never turned anyone away yet. Why don't you come today? Now the Lord bless you in a very abundant way today for his name's sake. Savior say, my strength indeed is small, child of weakness watch and pray, find in me thine all in all, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe.
you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins again.